It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You think about the person in your life when you started believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifices. And I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. Now, what I'm talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Hello Wendy. And our tactics guy and a man who will hopefully be bringing last week's energy into this week's (laughs) pod. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) People loved that. (laughs) I don't think Bardi did. Your Ric Flair intro. (laughs) Um, Yeah, very well done chaps. I think... um, I should go away more often. No, I think, I, no. I think so. No, I um, I think it was a good podcast, and I'm like happy with like you know how I can make things flow and the general conversation of it. But once again, I've gone back and looked at the running after all the woods and gone, oh, we didn't actually do half of these questions. We missed this entire topic. Like I can't, I can't work from a running order. I can fill for time for an hour, but I can't actually hit the topics we're meant to. <laughs> Whereas I'm a slave to admin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need an admin in here. It was very much like um, a Basuma and Madison partnership where things flowed and moved nicely, but we didn't really get stuck into the detail. So <laughs> our podcast, Cement Mixer, is back to slow us all down and make sure <laughs> we hit all the all the stats. And wave his arms around. And wave his arms. Point and shout. How was, how was your holiday, Wendy? Tell us all about mm. Croatia. I had a very lovely time in uh, Split, and um turns out I brought back a Croatian. Yeah, you brought a 16-year-old home with you, Wendy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smuggled him home. And um, I took Ivan Perisic out with me at the same time. Which is, you know, double whammy. Even better. That's what um, you could really um you could really have pushed it and, and just blagged it like um like a lot of people do on Twitter at the moment. It just said, Oh, I went out to Croatia to do a final scout scouting report on this <laughs> generational Croatian talent. You could have done that. Tax write off also. Mm. <laughs> yeah, good shout. Um yeah, love I had a lovely, lovely time. Uh so uh, we had a, a day in split and then six nights on Havar, which is one of the islands off the coast of splits um stayed in a small town called starry grad which is very beautiful lots of seafood uh, lots of sun just a very relaxing holiday which i badly needed doing two jobs is quite tiring it turns out hmm. um 
Yeah, but I'm back and full of energy. Um, what to say, firstly, happy birthday to Mark Wood, who is a very lovely man who we converse with regularly on Twitter and whose son, Lewis, is actually one of our moderators in the Discord, Warra family. Um, so, yeah, have, have a great birthday, Mark, and um, thanks for all your engagement. We really appreciate it. And thanks also to the following for their emails and messages. So Brad Lewis, Mark Jones, Joe, Joel Morales... Keith Rhodes, Anthony D'Angelo, Carl Whipple, John White, Len DeMarno, and Laurie Canerva. Really appreciate you getting in touch. And there's loads more emails uh, in the inbox, which I've, I've not got to yet, but uh, I'm sure I'll be thanking more people next week. Really appreciate everyone who gets in touch with us on a regular basis. Um, we don't really have a huge amount to talk about this week because there's been no Spurs game, but uh, we had an international week. Anything stand out for you guys in the international week so far? Uh, aside from uh, Bardi scoring against Italy, huh. can't believe it. I just um, I didn't watch it because they've, the Italy have sold their rights. I think well, I think a lot of national teams, international teams, have sold their rights to the, via sports or something like that. So um, quite tricky without another subscription to watch a game legally. So I didn't watch it, but I was keeping an eye on it. They uh, had my um, my North Macedonian namesake smashed one in, and the Spalletti era has kind of continuing like the Mancini era ended so pretty crappy mm. and no place for destiny in the in the full squad <laughs> no it's a weird one why he was excluded but uh, I mean I get we spoke briefly last week about DeMarco and his qualities but how Spinazzola is in that position in front of destiny is a weird one and I don't get it so um, there was a lot of rumour that they were protecting destiny for the under 21s who have some big matches but then when he was picked for the under 21s he then pulled out with a, a fever I hmm. don't I don't believe he was sick I think that was a bit of um he's, he's a bit upset because he's had such a strong start to the season such an incredible player who could really add something to the national team and the fact that he hasn't been called up and been chucked in with the kids he's he's thrown a little bit of a hissy fit I think I'm rightfully so he, he's played so well that he's got some people saying that he's the best left back in Europe uh, I didn't say in the best left back in Europe. What did you say? I said that he was the best left back in the Premier League and one of the best in the world, in the top five or so, top four. All the others are also from Europe. The people say from Europe when they refer to football, like they're. I don't know what they imagine is happening in Brazil or whatever, but. <laughs> uh, so who, like, I'm trying to work out who the other four would be. Obviously, Teo Hernandez would Teo be. Hernandez. Maybe number one. Yeah, probably. And then Alfonso Davies of Bayern. Mm, yeah. And um, uh, Nuno Minch at PSG. And then maybe uh, Balde at, at Barca. I don't know. Uh, Stupinan has been outstanding for He's Brighton. He's very good. He's been very good. Mm, I'm trying to think of others who would give Destiny Robertson. on for the money. Andy nah, Robertson. He's, he's aging and being... He's misused. fallen off a cliff now, hasn't he? Chilwell, people think, is, is flying this year, but he's kind of played as a left winger, basically. And that's not great for him. Mm, yeah, agreed. He needs to be coming from deep. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good shout. I think you know, the form that Udogi is in puts him up there. It's just whether he can sustain that across the whole season, I suppose. Yeah, hopefully, be, hopefully he will. He he was strong last season. I, it was weird he was left out last season. I think after this performance and the fact that, yeah, like 72% possession Italy had against... Um, North Macedonia and they just couldn't do anything there's a there's an underlying issue with our forwards right now that our one big hope ended up going to West Ham and becoming a sub so um, we'll, we'll see but 
I think we could do with a bit of bite, a bit of kind of oomph from 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 wide areas, and I think Destiny would. It's a, it's a madness he's not in there to at least um, swap swap games with Demarco. Skamaka off the mark. Yeah, he's got two goals already for Atalanta. You're fine. Just play Skamaka. He's a good team now. He'll, he's going to remember how to play football. Hopefully, hopefully it was at his um his his two goal burst came a bit too late for this squad. Um, before that he hadn't kicked a ball in in like <laughs> five years. So we'll see. <laughs> Baffling, and it sounds yeah. like Italy's before was somewhat similar to England's very frustrating dull creativeless performance uh James Madison I thought had a really quite bad game to be honest uh which is a pity because he obviously he's been outstanding for us this season but I do I mean I think that that kind of I think there's something in that the fact that he's played well for us and badly for England is not it's not a fluke um you know, there were some passes which were literally just bad passes, and for that you kind of have to hang it on him. But the way England played was so stodgy and is so stodgy. And I think Southgate, uh, I mean, he never had many ideas, but he had one idea which worked quite well, and, and now that idea has run out of steam. And I do think it's time for change within the England squad. I think they need a new coach with some fresh ideas and a fresh approach. Um, we get pressed really easily. Uh, and we struggled to play out of it, I think. Um, I, I don't really know why he picked Jordan Henderson in midfield. I thought that was peculiar. And and we're struggling to create chances for the, the best striker in the world. So There's... there's um. There's there's some kind of similarities between England and Italy that you when you've had a manager who's been in place for a long time it it, it becomes almost like a, like a, a a boys club a lads club they get together every every few months they go away to tournaments and a manager's just unable to see past kind of like his mates and his players and the ones he's relied on and sometimes you just need someone to come in and just change it out there's Henderson Maguire you know these guys perhaps even Pickford a little bit maybe even Kane, even though Kane is still amazing, sometimes you just need someone to come in and freshen it up. Like Southgate did, Southgate was that freshen up. He yeah. came in and freshened up everything. Out went all the old guys. In came in this new bunch, and all of a sudden there was a bit of vigor and a bit of oomph about him. And I think that's what England are desperately missing at the moment. I still think I'd put England down as one of the favourites to win the Euros. I still think they have that kind of muscle memory and those individuals that can get something done in in a big game. But yeah, I think he needs he needs to go Southgate sooner or later. I think that's a really good point. When he first came in with his knowledge of the England youth ranks, he brought with him fresh faces and yeah. that's he's kind of left that behind now and actually it's crying out for the likes of Colwell and maybe Rico Henry. He's not young, but is would be new to England. Um these players can help breathe a bit of life back into the team. We, I, I guess he hopes that Bellingham would do that. And Bellingham is obviously a brilliant, brilliant player, but he can't do it all by himself. Um, there, there are a lot of struggles at the moment. I think Eze or Madison being in midfield would really help. Um, he's kind of got this thing where he likes to play a relatively workmanlike midfield and then have three creative players up front. It needs more creativity within the midfield, I think. And, and that's the issue. Um, and I can't see him changing his ways on that. I think he's just going to try and grind out result after result and, and hope for the best that way. And I don't think that's enough. I think I think we've got enough good players to justify not needing to do that. Um, Hansi Flick's Bayern Munich played some of the best football I've ever seen. Some of the most tactically 
fantastic, outstanding, brilliant football he's ever seen in world football and he can't get Germany to play football and he's been sacked. And it makes me just think that like mm. there's such a ceiling on international football that mm. uh like how can you possibly account? How can you plan to like play forwards thinking football because there's just not the time with the players and uh I don't know, there's it just feels like there's um there's such a ceiling on what you can do in international football. Mm. When you have the, the expectation to have the ball, it's, yeah, you know, there's there's this theory that the best international teams come about when lots of players come from yeah. one or two clubs, and that makes complete sense because right. they're used to playing together and they have consistent tactical approaches. I think that's the only way. Yeah, yeah. Only, you know, when, when Guardiola was at Ger- uh, Bayern and Germany were good, when Guardiola was at Spain, uh, was at Barca and, and, and Spain were good. Now, obviously, he's in England, but but the the England squad is made up of a much larger mixture of clubs, and uh, essentially, as a result of that, England are doomed to never play good football ever on the strength of yeah. I think I think you're you're correct. You you can't teach these. So Spalletti's come in, and his his style of football that he played at Napoli is never going to translate to the Italian national team because it just doesn't happen. So I think what Southgate did when he first came in, he goes right. These these my group of players can play this style of football, and it wasn't very interesting, but it was quite effective. But now he's trying to tweak it. He's trying to change. Try and do something different, but you can't do that with an international football. You can't just go out and buy the right back or the left back that allows you to invert them or do whatever. And I think that that's probably what uh, Hansi Flick's had the issue with. He's coming to Germany, he's tried to replicate what he's did at Bayern, but he hasn't got Lewandowski, Alfonso Davies and the rest of them. He's got a chump of Havertz and you know <laughs> Gnabry and these guys have run out of legs ages ago. So um, yeah, it's it's difficult to impose a style. You've almost got to take the identity of that of your country, of your players and just run with it. Mm. And that's um, so why I think England need a fresh start, someone to take that... What did England win this summer? Was it the under-21s they won? Or the under-19s? They won something. No, yeah. The under-19s was Italy. I think it was under-21s, England. Yeah, um, and I completely agree with what you're saying about just having one style and sticking to it. Um, I mean, I was just thinking to myself, watching Madison play poorly for England, like, how challenging must it be for him... He's just come from Leicester, who play one very specific style. He's joined Spurs and he's learnt this new approach very quickly. Uh, he's up to speed really quickly. And then he joins the England camp um, for a few days of training in Southgate Ball and comes into their team and, and does something completely different. And it must be really difficult to stay focused and to understand the game plan when you've had that amount of change in, in such such quick succession. Um and and you magnify that across the whole team, extrapolate it out across the whole squad. It is challenging. International football is really difficult. It's really difficult for the coaches to to do anything. So I don't you know. I do have sympathy for Southgate, and I, I understand why he does try to keep things simple. But it's very frustrating to watch when we know we've got these really talented, creative players mostly sat on the bench. Uh, well, be to- brave, Southgate. Put, yeah. put Madison in midfield. Put him in exactly. midfield like Postacoglu does and play another forward for him to be able to pass the ball to. Exactly, exactly. Play Foden or Rashford or whoever, Grealish, whoever it might be. Um, so spe- Bardi said that Havertz is a chump. Speaking of Arsenal players being chumps, uh, Nathan, you wound up the entire Arsenal fan base, it seems. As as per. Oh, this is the Richarlison thing. Yeah, I, I did like... I think that these are all in one thread where I had said like 
um, I made a joke saying that we'd underpaid for Richarlison because he like he scored in that Marseille game and then it was this big emotional scene and it was very fun and that was like that was a joke referencing the fact that I previously said that we clearly overpaid that that was too much for him um, but obviously that's out of context and you know whatever and then I think it's all in the same thread where I'm like um, uh, I'm not saying that Richarlison is objectively better than Gabriel Jesus but I'm saying you would probably think so if you were Brazilian again the joke there is that he's not the joke there is that he's not better than Gabriel Jesus the joke there is that you would think so if you were Brazilian and so every time Richarlison has a bad game the Arsenal fans get back on that and go ah he's actually terrible it's like yeah that's the oh whatever fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you just bat them off one by one by yeah. one yeah yeah. I can tell you're having some fun doing it as well, well yeah. so can um, anyone in, in what happened to Richarlison against Bolivia did he have a bad game did he miss some sitters what, what did he do does anyone know he missed no a, he idea. missed a big sit. So they played Bolivia, where they are expected to obviously smash him, and they did smash him. And Richardson did some work in facilitating that. I, I haven't watched the game, uh, but he missed a big chance. And then he sat on the bench and he cried, which is you and, know it shows the oh, kind of he actually cried. In. He cried, yeah. Oh wow, okay. He's really messed up, man. Like it's it's really in his head right now, and mm. um, it doesn't need to be because he's playing mm. fine, and I, I he must feel that he's lost his place to Sun. Um, and hopefully he hasn't fully because they continue to rotate between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's just, he has the tools he needs. He's he's playing okay. The chances will keep coming if he keeps up his performances, but his performances are going to get worse the more he gets in his head about this stuff. He's too online. <laughs> we talked yeah. about this before. Yeah. And uh, he, he needs... Um, he needs some therapeutic um, professional help at the moment, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was this big concern amongst Spurs fans this weekend around Kuti Romero and a potential injury, but it turns out that he's trained and he seems fine. Uh, anything we need to worry about? Standard Romero in Argentina <laughs> yeah. drama nonsense, right? For a big tough guy, he does get injured quite a lot, doesn't he? He puts himself about, doesn't yeah. he? So he's he's going to pick up knocks, I guess. Um, he's kind of unflinching, and that works two ways, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately for him. Uh, so I think we've actually that was quite a fruitful discussion about international week. I wasn't expecting us to to get that much out of it, but yeah, really interesting to talk about tactical start of England and whatnot. Um, there's a bit of transfer news to talk about. L- alluded to this at the top of the pod. So Spurs seem to have signed Luka Vuskovic who is a 16-year-old Croatian centre-back who is touted as the next big thing. Um, He is staying at his club, Hajduk Split, until he is 18. And then the suggestion is he will join Spurs after that. And as part of the discussions around signing Fuskovic, we seem to have uh, enabled a January move for Ivan Perisic back to his former club. Um, which I think would suit all parties. Like, you know, Perisic clearly is on the on the downward curve. Um, I can't see him getting much game time for Spurs, especially with Solomon having performed pretty well in his his start against Burnley. So I don't mind this at all. And I'm I'm all for Spurs scouting young potential players and, and getting them signed up early. Shall we um shall we tell the truth, Wendy? <laughs> What's the truth? Oh, about Perisic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, are we are we gonna are we gonna discuss around this? <laughs> well, okay, okay, 
We've heard from a couple of different sources that Perez is a difficult character to work oh, with. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let me get comfortable for this ITK. Right. <laughs> Which isn't Go real, on. by the way. That, obviously, that that, that that is that is essentially it. That he's a that the Spurs squad don't enjoy Perisic as he's a person. A difficult character because he's a winner. That's why yeah, he's a winner. Yeah, <laughs> winning mentality. <laughs> They're just no jealous of his washboard stomach. When he loses, it's a disaster. <laughs> oh, Jesus, he's, don't. He's always upset because we're not winning anything. He came in to win things. We are We are winning games, so settle down. You Without know. him. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, we, we lost a game um, and he played. And I imagine, I'm guessing that he was um, unbearable after we lost to Fulham. Uh, based on based on what we've each heard, and because uh, he was ahead of Solomon in the pecking order, and now he ain't, and now mm. he's getting sold in January. So I think that he's just, um, yeah, not not a character fit for a bunch of you know uh, soy boy baiters who don't mind losing or whatever. I was in a um, I was in a tournament last week, and um, you'd all be very very relieved to know that I've, I've grown as a human being. I made my way to the semi-finals of this ping work ping pong tournament. Shout out to Ben, who I um, dismantled in the quarterfinals, and I found out he was a Spurs fan and, and listened to the podcast just before we played. And it, it really got in my head. I didn't know whether just to start smacking the ball around, so it really got in me. But I, I managed to play. But I got to the semi-finals and lost lost quite graciously to to a lady Izzy who was excellent. And um, yeah, I think I've grown. And I'm, I'm not perhaps the serial winner I once used to be, and I've become a soy boy like the rest of us, and I'm all right with 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 failure. <laughs> That's the Spurs getting into you, eh? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Up in Spurs. He says this, and then we'll get an email from Ben. Like the story that Bardi told is completely different. He was like playing body shots all day long. Yeah. <laughs> I took my smashing eye out. at Izzy's face. <laughs> yeah. Ben, do drop us a line. Podcast at the extreme so kind of UK. I'm very intrigued to know how Bardi performs on a ping pong table. Um, other transfers. Did you talk about Sanchez and, and Don Blade last week? I don't think you did, did you? Because I think it happened after through, the pod. It mm. broke through during recording, so we touched on it. Um, it's now, but we, it wasn't, it wasn't like confirmed at the time. And now, right, that's it, that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but I did feel a little sad to see Sanchez go in the end. Uh, a player that we've often over the last couple of years said, you know, he needs to leave. He's not good enough for what Spurs want to be and what they want to do. Um, but weirdly, like he, he fits Angeball better than he ever fit any of the style of football of the previous uh, three coaches. Defensively, yeah, but he just yeah. will never be good enough on the ball for a team who wants to have the ball in, in top level, top level football. Uh, Absolutely true, but that's hidden better in Angeball than it would have been in any of the three coaches because there's just there is enough players around, there are enough triangles and enough ball players around him in you know Romero, Basuma, Van der Ven, Porro who can cover up for his on the ball deficiencies. Well, this is kind of the thing, right? And it, this is what Bardi said when we talked about it last time: is that Basuma's there, he can fire the ball into him, but it's like because of the way we rotate, like if he comes on for Romero in the Brentford game. He's surrounded by ball players. He's fine because he's just a cog, right? Yeah, but yeah. If he comes into a rotated team like we saw against Fulham, uh, he can't rely on other people to bail him out, and he looks terrible. Absolutely. But that I think is more an issue to do with the rotation than I get Sanchez that. I in get particular. That. Um, and I mean, I think I still agree with the sale for what it's worth. I still think it's the right thing to do. You know, we've had an offer. He's not going to start. Uh, let him go off and rebuild his career elsewhere and, and be a, a prominent first teamer at a Champions League club. It's, it's, good, it's good for him, I think. Um, but it does seem 
it's just a bit strange, isn't it, that this has happened now after his performances against Barca and Brentford and when we don't have any backup centre-backs other than Eric Dyer and then Ashley Phillips and Alfie Dorrington. Yeah. Sounds like Phillips... Sorry, buddy. Sounds like Phillips is a, is now a first-team player. Mm-hmm. Buddy, how are you feeling about that? You're you're someone who he you like the tried and t- tried and trusted. <laughs> uh, if you see if you see a team sheet against Sheffield United this weekend, let's say Romero has got a knock, and the team sheet has Ashley Phillips alongside Mickey Van der Ven, how how are you feeling? I feel better than if I saw Eric Dyer. To be honest with you, I'd be quite excited. I'd be very interested, and he would have my full support. Unfortunately, with Dyer, he kind of comes in already with that preconception of baggage. he's going to make a mistake. Baggage. He's going to make a mistake. We've. I mean, I think I've seen pretty much every single footballing error you could do from Eric Dyer, and I, I, I'm tired of it. I've had enough. Sanchez being sold is was the good thing. I mean, mm. they. Um, who they play? They played Venezuela and kept a clean sheet with Sanchez on the bench. Colombia. Then they played Mexico last night, I think, with Sanchez starting. And they conceded two goals, but they still managed to win. So he remains an all right defender. I went early with the hype on Sanchez. We, we paid a lot of money for him and he looked good sandwiched in between Vertonghen and Alderweireld. And I really thought there was something there for him. He was a young boy and I just thought he was going to do something special. It didn't quite work out, which is sad. But I do think a lot of our, our problems and a lot of our issues were unfairly put on his shoulders. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, they... He's been talked about as if he's been some walking disaster defender. And he, he hasn't really. I think he's played oh, well over 100 games for us. And he's had his bad moments, of course, but every single individual who's who's lived through the end of Poch through to the end of Conte has had bad, bad days. Mm. So um, I think the booing against Bournemouth was unfair. And I'm glad that he left after a couple of strong performances with Postacoglu. At least mm. there was something there for him to, for him to leave. Yeah, it's a nice point. Uh, kind of leaves with his head held high. I guess yeah. uh, if he had left after that Bournemouth game it would have been pretty unpleasant um, yeah, people I mean, just get so overexcited man that is our worst defender these people have not lived they've not seen Anthony Gardner not seen Ricardo Rocha in the semi-final of the <laughs> League Cup against Arsenal what was he that doing that diving header yeah. even, even Michael Dawson you know Michael Dawson's a nice guy he, he drinks Beaver Town neck oil in the, in the stadium and says nice things about Spurs but this idiot slipped on his arts in this FA Cup semi-final and cost us against Portsmouth. So, you know, there's a collection of central defenders way, way worse than Sanchez. And I do think, you know, when you said just now that he came in and looked really good between Vertonghen and Alderweireld, I think even that kind of diminishes his part in that. Like, yeah. neither of them would have been as good in the in the role that he was playing, that he allowed them to excel with uh, his, his covering defending. He was really, really outstanding um, between them uh, in a very niche role and I think the, that's the problem isn't it you know he was signed to play a niche role and then the system changed and he didn't suit the system anymore um, and we should have sold him earlier uh, sadly in that um, that Champions League run where we um, the the season before the 2017-2018 where we should have gone a lot further than we did we were brilliant that season at Wembley He it was him man he was he was there in centre-back against Real Madrid when we smashed them 3-1. And he was there in those other games. And we lost against Juventus in a horrible, horrible manner. But I thought that was I thought that was a good season for us. And I thought we were really going to do something. Mm. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, his, um, his, his, his kind of history of the club will be forever kind of shamed. But he was all right. He had his moment. Mm. 
And along with Davinson Sanchez, we've offloaded Tongi and Domble on a loan, although maybe this time it's one that becomes permanent. Um, I guess that remains to be seen, to be honest. But Nathan, how are you feeling about this one? <laughs> um, depends how, how big a picture, <laughs> how far you want to zoom out. We needed to get more off, off our books, and, and yeah. we've done that, and that opens up. Like with both Davinson and, and Domble um off our books we're now um we're now at the limit for UA for non-homegrown players yeah um Larice is obviously not going to be or hasn't been registered i would assume um oh wait is it the 13th two days from now he's going to not yep. be registered and then eric dyer probably the same so that that getting those two out the door although it's a bit spooky that that phillips is now our right-sided center back backup um, opens up um, ins in January, so it was it was good necessary business. Um, man, Tongi Domble, you um, he was impressing in training, and he was due to start the first game of preseason. And uh, I came on the podcast, and I wanted to talk about him, and you did not want to talk about him, which turned out to be a wise decision. He got a knock, he missed out on that first game, and then since then is what like. Not trained hard, not turned up to training on time, not applied himself, not not bought in, not mm. demonstrated match fitness or anything close to it. It's just it's so disappointing again and again and again. And uh, I've repeatedly stood up for him when I shouldn't have done because I really really believed in his talent mm. and wanted to believe in him as a professional. And uh, he's he's really let all of us send himself down. Is this true though? Did this stuff really happen, or is it just been? Yeah, I'd like. Was he that bad a trainer? I think um, I was quite keen to push back on that being a narrative um, under a couple of coaches, and then uh, there was this brief window under uh, under Nuno where we started poorly under Nuno, and Dombley was gradually introduced to the team. Things started to get better, and then he was out of the team mysteriously, and things fell apart. And Nuno got sacked. Right, ten games, not uh, not a huge uh, arcing storyline there. Um, and then things under Conte weren't too shocking. Him being an individualistic player stylistically means that he was kind of a poor fit in that way, rather than in terms of fitness and application and stuff like that. Went to Napoli again, was good when he came off the bench, but seemed like he wasn't really in consideration for a ninety-minute player. He ended up playing a, a one twenty-minutes game. In a, in a cup and he you know didn't collapse or anything but um didn't look quite in shape and then the news coming out of the camp just a few weeks ago was that he was like turning up late for training and, and not applying himself as, like on a professional level and i think that basically unlike conte unlike Mourinho, um Postecoglou very much gets the benefit of the doubt not just because of his own character the way he speaks in press conferences the way he's improved other players mm -hmm. um but also because he's like the fourth guy in a row so at this mm -hmm. stage there's there's no benefit of the doubt for Ndombele and um you're you're completely uh, morally free to make jokes about Turkish kebabs to your heart's content because it's all true. He did um, under Conte. He did start a, f a few. Well, not start. He was involved early on. Couple of games, yeah. Couple of games, and then he started the game against Liverpool at home as well, and did a nice assist. So even and then we when we did all the kind of previews about how it could work under Conte, there was a lot of hope that he would bring the best yeah. out of Dembele. Yeah, there was there was genuine hope there, and. 
I still think I still think this is one of the saddest stories yeah. in in football because I rem- I remember his debut against Aston Villa and he he was sensational and some of the stuff he's done like every now and then on on Instagram Spurs will pop up highlights of goals and even they were celebrating Sun's four goals against Southampton and that first goal was made by Ndombele just doing a beautiful piece of skill and in at a glance every now and then you'll glance at something and he was just at the heart of doing something beautiful and incredible and it just it just never worked for him and it's it's really sad because he's when he's on it he's a beautiful player Mm. and I do think like I'm sure it's really a lot more nuanced than we've made it out to be like at this point it's completely understandable for him to have completely checked out of Spurs because he probably feels like he's been messed about by numerous managers but there has to be some self-reflection there as well, doesn't there? Mm. There, ha- there has to be because if there's not, it never moves forward. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I sympathise with anyone who had to deal with Antonio Conte at any point, right? But, well, you know, Romero's the, the suggestion is today that Romero was planning to leave in the summer if Conte didn't go. Man, I was planning to leave in the summer if Conte didn't go. <laughs> um, but but like yeah, he 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 had a huge opportunity with Postecoglou coming in. He was in that that first um preseason yep. eleven. Um, yeah. He, this should the have opportunity been, was there. He yeah, should he have been late for everyone. Massively, massively committing himself to Spurs this summer because um, he had a huge opportunity to turn his career around. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it falls on him completely. Yeah. Falls on him. He played thirty-three times under in 2020-21 under Mourinho and mm. and Ryan Mason. And the season before, he played twenty-one games. That was the Pochettino um, COVID Mourinho season. So he, they did Mourinho did give him games a lot of games. He did. Like, yeah. The first yeah. season under Mourinho, he was coming off the bench and changing game after game, like turning around yeah. games with thirty minutes of fitness, and then mm. he couldn't quite step up to to be able to drag that level over ninety minutes in the next season, or even sixty minutes really in the next season. I don't know, so, like. I went back and I watched some of his Leon performances and he was like athletic and and fit and sharp and hardworking and and carried it over 90 minutes. So at least previously he had that capacity like on a physical level. I don't know if something happened injury-wise during his first season at Spurs that has inhibited his ability to to get to match fitness or if it's just a failure to apply himself. Um but mm. he's he's never really hit full match fitness ever since his transfer to Spurs um whether it's been here or at Napoli. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to say something really Arsenal now. So I I apologize in advance, but everyone's forgotten when we you know when we got smashed up by Bayern Munich. We were in, we were incredible for 40 minutes. Yep. Mhm. At halftime, they went up 2-1. They scored a... I mean, Lewandowski scored a beautiful goal in a stroke of halftime. But we went up 1-0. And everything that was good, we were tearing him apart Was because when the ball was at his feet. He was incredible. Yeah. And, yeah, we ended up getting battered 7-2. But um, it, he was. We were unbelievable for the forty minutes of the first half, and the forty minutes of that first half with with him at the heart of everything. Mm. So he goes into uh, Galatasaray midfield, which also has uh, Lucas Torreira, the ex-Arsenal defensive midfielder, a new signing, Demir Bay. German uh, attacking midfielder who plays in the pivot with Torreira, and then Dries Mertens, who's now thirty six, uh, plays ten. So I imagine Ndombele will sort of move between the 10 and the 8 and, and the pivot. Um, so he should get plenty of game time there. And hopefully that will lead to a permanent sale. Hopefully it will lead to good performances in the permanent sale. That's the best we can hope for at this stage, I think. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat 
rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we talk about the transfer window in a bit more detail, uh, I will hand over to our partnership manager, Bardi. I gave Age You Want to Try because I believe in not stopping, carrying on through with my health. I'm not like those layabout footballers swanning off to play international football or taking it easy at Hotspur Way because they're not good enough to play for their country. You know the other good thing about AG1, Windy? It's everything you need in one simple, drinkable habit. As always, you're right. It's almost as if you're reading my script. And it doesn't disappoint me. There's a time when you had Zuri with my AG1. Dependable, smashing free lions. Now they're drawing away to a team whose free kick wizard is number 10 and it's called Bardi. Thankfully though, I have rocks in my life. That's you guys, my family and AG1. I get stuck into my routine and just count the days for Angeball to come back. Every morning, shaking my shaker, jam-packed with all those good supplements, is one day closer to the Premier League restarting. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. AG1 helps you build your health foundation first. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. So I wrote a piece for my blog, windycoys.com, about the transfer window. And I think um, a couple of things I want to say about the transfer window first. The first one is thank you so much to Cal, who spends so much time in our Discord aggregating information and uh, ensuring that people are receiving the news that matters from the reputable sources. He He's he's really good at keeping on top of um, where information's come from. And uh, the Discord is an amazing service for people during the transfer window because you can just switch on notifications for the news and rumours channel and you just get Cal's synthesised information direct to your phone. I Meaning you don't have to trawl through Twitter and wait for retweets from all these aggregator accounts. We've got our own aggregator. So thank you so much to Cal. We love you and uh, appreciate the work you do. Um, but when you're in the midst of the transfer window as a fan and you're just getting bombarded daily with new links and new ITK and all this stuff, it kind of creates a sense of um, urgency that you literally would not have if you just switched off from it and ignored all the speculation. And so when it comes to the end of the window and the signings aren't made inevitably, you feel furious temporarily. And I think a lot of Spurs fans really lashed out uh, at the the sort of quietness on the final day. We got we got our signing done, but it wasn't what people had anticipated. They wanted more than just Brennan Johnson. They wanted Brennan Johnson and Conor Gallagher and Pear Shores or another centre-back or whoever. And maybe they wanted Hoybier to go or whatever it might be. Um, 
I think then the point I was trying to make in my blog is with a bit of distance between deadline day, which is frenetic and fury inducing, we can look back at our window as being a really positive one because we broadly speaking dealt with the key issues. We we replaced Hugo Lloris, which was a desperate need, with a younger keeper who's better suited to the style of football we're now playing. I think Guillermo Vicario is a really talented goalkeeper and I really like what he can do with, his, with the ball at his feet. I'm very impressed with that. We brought in the centre-back we desperately needed to partner Romero and Van der Ven looks not only very calm, which Romero absolutely needed, but also really talented, really good on the ball. We got our creative midfielder that we lacked since Christian Eriksen left, arguably, in James Madison, who I think was a, a dream signing and also came really cheap. We got a good bargain there. And then we did sign a, a, an attacker. We signed Brennan Johnson. Um, and it was essential we signed an attacker having lost Kane. But I do think that we, in a move unusual for Spurs, we'd planned for life after Kane already by signing Richarlison. And you can have your own debate about whether you think that's a suitable replacement or not. But we're pretty well set now with Richardson and Asol as striker options. And so I think you can look at this transfer window and think there's real progress there for Spurs. They've they've made some sensible moves. Obviously, the big criticism is that we didn't get enough players out. And I agree with that. I think Daniel Levy was asking an awful lot for himself by not having a sporting director in place to deal with some of these outgoing moves. I do also think he was up against it with some of the players simply refusing to go. You know, we've heard that Lloris rejected moves to four clubs and he can do that. He's under contract. He, there's no reason why he has to move, but it makes life very difficult for Levy. Does he just pay him off? Does he does he pay up the rest of his contract and let him go on a free transfer or does he hold out and, and see what can happen? Similarly with Davinson Sanchez, he was rejecting moves as well until one finally came through that he liked from a Champions League club. Fair enough, he, he waited out and got the move he wanted. But it's it's tricky, and I guess the fact is our poor squad building over multiple seasons mm. led us to this point where we had so much work to do in one window that it wasn't ever going to happen in one window. It has to be seen as a work in progress, and now we need two more windows like this one where we get a lot of the deadwood off the books, the players that Ange isn't going to use, get them gone, and bring in young, talented footballers who fit the profile, fit the positional moulds, um, and bring the age profile of the squad down. But I think this is a really strong start, and I'm I'm broadly very impressed. Yeah, the uh, the best way to handle the situation is to not arrive in it in the first place, right? Is to recruit well enough, young Absolutely. enough, um, with a consistent style over uh, over a larger period of time. That hopefully this is now the last time that we are stuck in such a, a situation that we need like seven players off our books in one window um and if that is the case then i'll have a then i'll retroactively have had some more patience for this summer um <laughs> but it is a little frustrating now because i think like you you say like yes we we dealt with our biggest issues at the start of the summer but i think that we didn't deal with our biggest issue at the end of the summer which is bringing in a forward to replace the forward that we lost not a direct mm-hmm. center forward because again i think between Rochelle and some we're good there but say we lost harry kane let's bring in a top level frontline winger um and and uh well we ended up with johnson who i will be doing a video on probably this week um to look at in more detail um but my my thoughts at this stage are that there were better higher level options um benefits as well windy um we we along with vaskovic who it looks like is is all but official um won't be coming into the club till 2025 when he's 18 um we've also brought in valise phillips um who are sort of 
the players around the 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 squads now. We've also brought in um, Callum Logan, uh, Roman Egan Riley, and Herbie James. Do you know anything about any of those three? Not especially, okay. other than other than Herbie James. I know is is really rated. Okay. So, um, how do you feel about the acquisition of, of sort of a bunch of under eighteen year olds? Yeah. So when when players when play, when players uh, sign up to start their scholarships it's quite common for them to move clubs beforehand. So they're need to. They they're signing up for two years, but really they're signing up for longer. So players do 16 to 18 at a club, and then they normally become a pro at that club, uh, hopefully, and spend some time there going through the under-21s, uh, with the aim being that they'll get a loan move and then make the first team. So it's not unusual for them to line up a club that they think suits them better or perhaps offers them more money. Um, also sometimes players happen to be in a year group at a particular club, which is really strong. And so the competition is higher for the number of players that that club takes on to do scholarships. So I would say it's really good that Spurs have kind of got their eye on other good 16 year olds ready to see if they're available for to, to, to do the scholarship with us, particularly if we've got a weaker group that we need to kind of fill out a bit. You kind yeah, of want like between 10 and 12 a, players. A squad gap, right? Then if like a if a if nine good players are really missing a, a left center back or something like that, then like they it's going to seriously undermine their performances if they're if there's, you know, the equivalent of a Davidson Sanchez starting games, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've been a victim of this as well. So we lost a couple of players to Southampton, one of whom Sam Amo Amior is now playing first team football for Southampton, uh, having left us uh, a couple of summers ago to do his scholarship there. Um, so this happens. I think um, it's sensible. It's, it's it's sensible management of the academy, and yeah. um, I have no complaints about it. Yeah. Is it something that we've we've failed to do enough of in the past? Do you think? I wouldn't say so. No, I think we've we've taken players from from other clubs before their scholarship. Before is it's not completely unusual. Um, We've also bought players kind of to to play with the under eighteens. Um, so Pascocci was one who joined. He's now He's left. Now gone, yeah. Uh, Yago Santiago was another who who came and is now doing really really well in the under twenty ones. Up for up for PL two Player of the Month. Um, we've signed plenty of players also for our development squad. So Soon Sut Bell is playing well for the under twenty ones. We signed him from Chelsea. Uh, Tyrell Ashcroft we signed from Reading so it's quite common for young players to to move around okay. especially it seems to be a thing that's happening more and more regularly okay so that that's all from like a Spurs perspective but I wonder if you have any thoughts on like whether this sh- should be happening uh, like the sort of the morality and the, the the financialization of academy football how you feel about that it's interesting because one of the things that Fabio Paratici changed in his time at Spurs was that we now pay more. Yeah. We we fund the academy by essentially paying higher wages for our so scholarship around, players. Right? So they stick around, exactly. And I, I think there's two ways of looking at this. There's the you don't want to have you don't want to have too much too young and rest on their laurels in, in air hmm. quotes. Um but if that's the going rate for a young footballer, you kinda have to be in and around that going great it's if you're yeah. not then you're an anomaly and players aren't going to sign up with you um so i don't necessarily have an issue with the morality of it or the incentivization of it i think this is just how football works these days and uh, we're we're a part of a, a bigger machine okay 
I think um, the transfer window, we, we need to, you're right, we need to take a step back and, and think about it. And I think the fact that we've had such a strong start to the season allows us that space to be a bit more reflective. Um, we've improved our starting 11 massively. Our starting 11 has improved in so many key areas. Mm. It's, it's, it's amazing. That's brilliant. If you look at the players we've sold, the average age of the players leaving us is 28, man. That's old. That's really old. And the average age of the players we've signed is, is 22. So we've really shifted our squad in a nice way and I think a lot of good work has been done here and it's not the finished article we're not a finished team we're not a finished squad but um I think I think we could be reasonably happy and everyone's worried about what happens if this player gets injured or that player gets injured every squad has that fear what if um Declan Rice or Saliba gets injured at Arsenal what if Man City lose somebody what if Haaland gets injured you know so every club's going to have the fear about that but I'm I'm relatively happy and that's not me being Levy in happy clapping all that kind of stuff I think we've done we've done a decent job this summer Mm. yeah I think the age profile thing is um important and I think also if you look at the the top end of the squad in terms of ages now, so in in order, Hugo Lloris, Fraser Forster, Ivan Perisic, Son Youngmin, Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, Pierre Mourhoibier, all of them except Son and then maybe Ben Davis and maybe Fraser Forster will be gone by this time next year. New contract for Son, by the way. Sorry, mm. you just reminded me. Um mm. Any uh, let, let's get let's get your thoughts on on the idea of a new contract for Sun. So he's got is it two years currently? Twenty twenty five. Yeah, so he's got he's got two seasons or sort of one point nine <laughs> seasons, I guess, at this stage left on his contract. So uh, would be going into his final year next summer. Um, Thirty one years old. Um, I mean, generally, I'm not in favour of 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 extending the contracts of players over thirty. I've also spoken repeatedly about the the benefits of selling him right um but i think things are quite different now what what are your thoughts um the time to sell son was two seasons ago yeah and given the fact that we didn't do that i think we now keep him for life uh we we sign him up to as long a contract as we're prepared to maybe a creative contract where he's on a certain amount of money for the next two years and then uh maybe it starts to diminish a little Sure. Um, as he, as he gets older and and probably plays fewer games, um, I'd be on that basis. I'd be happy to sign him up for another five years. He's thirty one. He's in really good shape. I think he is so important to the club in terms of um, not just the way he is on the pitch, but the way he's off the pitch. And I, I mean that in a, in a cynical kind of commercial sponsorship way, but also the fact that he is a really unifying presence in the dressing room and a, a very lovely man who the players trust and can turn to you know referenced by Delhi in, in in that video as uh, someone who's important to him um i'm very happy for someone to stay at the club until he retires to be honest yeah yeah um i i've i've also been with nathan about selling our place but i think i think the thing about son is now kane has gone his importance to the the club has yeah. has, has has gone up a bit more so he's become a really important player but i also think I don't think his value is going to drop because the Saudi league or whatever they're in, whatever the intentions are, the Saudi league, I think at some point they're going to make a play for Sun just because of his prestige and his presence in, in, in Asia. And I think they already did. I think they did in the I, summer and he turned them down. I think if we extend his contract another two years, I think we could easily sell him in a couple of couple of years. Just for leverage, yeah. South. Just for leverage. So I think give him another, extend the contract one, two years with the intention to sell within 18 months to 24 months. Sure. That makes sense to me too. 
Yeah, I just think with Kane gone that yeah, uh, like Woody says, he, he's a he's a captain, he's a figurehead, he's a primary goal scorer. I think whether whether Richarlison or he starts, how, mm. however that works, um, we can sort of we <laughs> and Lloris going as well. We can we can afford to like carry an old man in our squad, mm. you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And we're getting so much younger in other areas that um, yeah, and like I, <laughs> you should never make big financial decisions off the back of a single game, but. Um, (laughs) uh, I don't feel like his athleticism has left him on the back of the Burnley game that his issues were um, positionally, tactically, contextually uh, quality of service uh, having a sports hernia (laughs) uh, rather than a big loss of pace I think he's lost a little pace yeah yeah. he's not as fast as he was when he was 26 um, but he can still get him behind Premier League defences so so he'll score goals for for another year And now we've got Brennan Johnson, who's super speedy anyway. If um, if Hyunming's son could take him under his wing and teach him a few things about whacking it in the net, then that'd be lovely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the option to keep him to he retires or to protect his value and sell him in 18 months, if that's what he wants, then they're both good options. And I've, I'd be very happy for him to sign a new contract and for us to commit some some hefty finance to, towards Son Heung-min. I just think he's been such a wonderful servant for for us and I've really enjoyed watching him um I don't want to talk about Brennan Johnson too much because Nathan's going to do a, a, a video on him um but I think the other thing to touch on because Nathan mentioned not signing top level forward for the squad um who probably plays out wide I do think it's worth mentioning again that part of the reason we didn't I think is because we signed Vicario and not Raya, we didn't have the extra homegrown player, so they wanted a homegrown player elsewhere, which narrowed their targets down to a homegrown winger in Johnson. The other alternative would have been not signing Solomon and signing a higher level non-homegrown winger instead, and that would have been my preference. I I, I think Solomon, um, they just saw as too good a bargain, you know, essentially a free transfer. Um... And there's probably some upside to Solomon. You know, you can sell him for a few quid in a couple of years or whatever. Um, but clearly he's not at this stage. And I could be wrong. He could go on to become uh, top level. But clearly at this stage, he's not as good as our top level starters. Um, and there are better players out there. So for me, that was the misstep. It was the Solomon signing. But, you know, I think it's... I'm pretty happy with the squad at this stage. And... I was saying pre-season we should be looking at top six, seven. Already I'm looking at the way we're playing, the quality that Ange has us playing with, and I'm thinking we can absolutely compete for Champions League places this year. There's no reason why we can't. And that's got to be a good thing. How, how are you guys feeling about the start of the season? Very happy. Um, yeah, very happy. I would pref- the Fulham game we played our reserves. That's that's bugging me. And um, yeah. the fact we've only got we've got five games in fifty days or something crazy. Um, and it's been many many years since we've been in that position of of playing so few games. So I would like I would like us to have stayed in the League Cup a little bit longer. So that's that's a that's a concern for me. That Postecoglou changed so much for that match. Mm. Other than that, it's been really good start. We're scoring goals. We look good, interesting, playing nice attacking football. People are happy. People are writing songs. Everybody seems in good spirits, and that's that's a world away from where we were this time last April in April. You know. Mm-hmm. And Nathan, what, what do you think we're looking for? You know, where do you think we'll end up? Yeah, I think top four is looking pretty good for us at the moment. Um, it's a long season. There are definitely. Um, 
We've overperformed expected goals a little bit over, you know, defensively um, and offensively. But then when Sun's taking those shots, that's going to happen and, and isn't a problem. Um, there are frailties to our squad, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, there are imperfections in our system more defensively than offensively. Um, but I thought it would take I thought it would take longer to put in the performances that we've been putting in, and it hasn't. And I'm I'm just I'm so happy to be a Spurs fan again right now, and that's all that's that the matters, big thing. right? Yeah, exactly. One final thing before we go, because uh, we've not spoken about this yet, and I do think it's uh, an interesting one. So this is from Matt S. Brian Hill in this system, yes or no? So we were expecting Brian Hill to be sold, then he got injured. And then he came back for injury and we, he was linked with a permanent move away again, but it didn't materialise. Do you think there's a chance that Brian Hill could force his way in? I I had, when we signed Brennan Johnson, I moved Hill out of my out of the squad in my little spreadsheet. And then in the couple of weeks since then or whatever, um, it seems like Perisic is out the door. So if Perisic is no longer on the bench in the, for the next game or whatever, um, then I think Hill is in with the shout. Because stylistically, he's a pretty good fit. I just felt like there were five guys ahead of him and that was that was a closed door. But yeah, maybe now, maybe. Bardi, tenacious little Brian on the right? Um, why not? I like him. I like the way he... Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.